In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The light is brief these winter days, and the nights are long and chilly. We Californians pray to be soaking wet in rain by now, but that wonderful rain darkens what little sunlight we get, too. In this season, moving toward Christmas tide, night's darkness in our neighborhoods are lit up by homes decked with lights. If you don't have it in your neighborhood, come over to mine. <laughs> the most ordinary homes offer every passerby a moment of lifted up feeling that little glow of joy. How appropriate it is that this third Sunday of Advent is called Lighten Up Sunday, Rose Sunday, or more formally named in proper Latin, Gaudete Sunday. You are commanded to rejoice Sunday. So this morning, we have three candles lighted on our Advent wreath, two purple and one rose color. We have an antique set of vestments that date from when Father Charles Eldon Davis was in this congregation. We could look for a rose window or the Jesse tree that has a messianic rose on it. Gaudete, rejoice. Gaudete Sunday has often been dedicated to Mary, just as the second Sunday in Advent often emphasizes John the Baptist. Uh, John hasn't gone away, of course. The gospel this morning had John in it, and the baptizer continues to be a witness to the light that is coming into the world, the light of Emmanuel, God with us, light that no darkness, no evil in the universe can possibly turn into thick shadow. But I ask you, where would John the Baptist be? What could he witness to? if there had been no Mary to say yes to what God asked of her. Mary's yes. Her consent to God is honored in the church every year on March 25th. And if you will count backwards from December 25th, you will discover that March 25th is exactly nine months. That's not an accident. The church calendar names March 25th the Feast of the Annunciation, celebrating how the Archangel Gabriel visited Mary and informed her of God's request that she go into action for God, that she become pregnant with a son who is called Emmanuel, God with us. Annunciation, announcing. One of my friends is campaigning and has been campaigning for a very long time for a new name for the Feast of the Annunciation. He says, in the catechism, we say that lay people, bishops, priests, and deacons, notice who comes first there? Lay people are called, invited into active ministry and he recalls the Bible stories in which Elijah and Moses and Deborah and Judith and Jeremiah and lots and lots of others were called, invited into work for God. And then he says, we should use that same language when we talk about Mary. 
God didn't send Gabriel just to announce to Mary what was going to happen. God sent Gabriel with an invitation to call Mary, invite Mary, appeal to Mary to become active and adventurous to fulfill God's salvation plan. And Mary certainly didn't think of Gabriel's presence and visit as a mere announcement. When Gabriel told her that she was highly favored, that she was full of grace, and that she would bear a son, that teenager Mary responded with a bold question. How could this be so? I ask you, would you have the nerve to question an archangel who appeared in your kitchen, in your vegetable garden? Mary has many excellent qualities that make her first among equals in the company of the saints, but meek and mild are not among those characteristics. And Mary was far more directly involved into ministry than any of us ever has been. For it's one thing to speak about being filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's quite another thing to be a teenager and not quite married and pregnant and your only explanation is that the Spirit of God has overshadowed me and that's why I'm expecting and it's going to be a boy and he will be God with us and he will save us from our sins. You try that line of explanation to the old ladies in your village who have known you all your life and who don't think you are such a special girl at all and who know exactly how babies are made. <coughs> We so often hear about the Archangel Gabriel and Our Lady Mary in this dignified, majestic language of the King James Bible. But that sonorous telling makes us forget just how that angelic visitation shattered the natural order of human living and how unbelievable Mary's account must have seemed to every person who heard it. Nevertheless, Mary did say yes to God. And Mary's consent, Mary's action, Mary's glowing pregnancy changed the world. We often talk about pregnant women having a special glow about them. Having been pregnant, I can tell you that may not happen until after morning sickness is done. <laughs> Mary's radiant glow was so obvious that when she went to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who also was miraculously pregnant with a baby, who became John the Baptizer, Elizabeth and the baby in the womb knew of the light that was growing within Mary's willing flesh before she ever spoke a word. And right there, in Elizabeth's presence, Mary boldly praised God in a song that we know as the Magnificat, but her Jewish contemporaries would have heard as a rephrasing of the song that Hannah, the mother of Samuel, sang when she was miraculously pregnant. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And today, together, we have repeated that Magnificat. We have spoken 
the political words that are in the Magnificat about what God expects us to do. And today, you and I need to have that glowing presence about us, an incandescence that says to the world, Emmanuel, Jesus, the Savior of the world has come to dwell within me. I point the way beyond me with the little light of mine to the one who has come to set the world free of sin. That light within us transforms our ordinariness into a sign of God's presence come near, God's kingdom breaking into this time and this place. Jesus talked about light often. He spoke about how we are to be filled with light. He said, you, you are the light of the world. And no one lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, where it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others, so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Jesus also said, what I say to you in the dark, tell in the light what, I, what you have heard whispered, proclaim from the housetops. And isn't that what Mary did? Literally, body and will and mind and soul, she was directly involved in the good news. The Messiah whom God had promised was coming and was coming through her participation in the will of God, through her consent to be all that God asked no matter what the cost. And God sent his son into a world filled with darkness to be the light of the world providing the way to reconciliation with God. That outpouring of light and love is a necessary part of the divine nature. For God is love, and love needs to be shown and demonstrated in a public display of affection that's not too different from what our teenagers do when they're first learning about love and all those good things that go with love. Deacon Beth last Sunday reminded us that John the Baptizer taught of our need for metanoia, that deep repentance leading to change and transformation, moving us into new life closer to God, working with God. Metanoia, here's another one of those multisyllabic church words. In the Orthodox churches, Mary is known as Theotokos, the God-bearer, for within her body she carried and bore the Savior of the world. Mary made the power of God known through her actions. And like Mary, you and I, that's even you guys, you can be Theotokoi, God-bearers filled with the same passionate flaming power of the Holy Spirit. We shall experience metanoia, be changed and transformed. We shall become theotokoi, invited and called by God into action, carrying God within us as a mother carries her baby in the womb. Into the darkness of a damp December, 
into the darkness of this world overfilled with bad news. Can the light of Christ that you carry within you be seen and known? Does your spiritual household glow radiantly lit as a beacon to the light of Christ? For you know the best holiday lights are not shaped like angels or like those little choir kids that my mommy used to collect in candles. The best holiday lights have neither wax nor wick or not even liquid electronic displays. For the living lights that point toward the Savior are the human followers of Christ. Brave to fulfill our calling to carry divine light into familiar neighborhoods and beyond, into places and conditions that are yet to be discovered. When night falls tonight, let's you and me see in the holiday lights an invitation from God into bold action in God's name. Let's trust that God will keep our little lights burning bright, our energies roused, until justice rolls down like rivers, until all the hungry are fed, until all those who are cold and lonely are sheltered and given community. Let's us rejoice and sing with Mary, the Lord magnifies my soul. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for Jesus is the source of our joy and the fountain of all our happiness. More than enough joy, more than enough happiness for the whole world. <coughs> what an amazingly wonderful task we are offered Good news we can proclaim from housetops and everywhere else too. Good news that comes with knowing Jesus now and forever. Amen. Amen.